Hello and welcome to episode 35 of the Talk Witchcraft podcast. In this episode, Erica and I will be talking about being of service to others. You switched up the order. I did? Yeah, usually I introduce and you tell about the tarot card. No, we alternate that every time. Do we really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Literally every time I switch it. Lol. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Talk Witchcraft. On this podcast, we talk about witchcraft as a lifestyle and discover how to merge magic into your daily life. Every week, we'll demystify witchy topics like tarot, astrology, crystals, herbs, and more as you develop your personal brand of magic and create the life of your dreams. We're your hosts, the Mystic Sisters, Erica and Maggie. In this segment of the show, we choose a tarot card for the week and we look for moments that relate to this card in our daily lives. For this episode, we chose the Nine of Pentacles. The theme of this card is maturity, particularly in terms of wealth and abundance. The woman in the image has accumulated this wealth and it has matured into something she can live on. Whether this is an inheritance of the family estate or something she earned through individual merit, This could be a person who is enjoying her life of luxury and she is blessed. I like to imagine that she is having her portrait drawn and that is why she is posed so elegantly. It also offers an explanation about why she isn't smiling. And another explanation about why she isn't smiling is that she's become bored with her comfortable existence. So there's that saying that money can't buy happiness. And lately this has been rewritten or I've seen it rewritten as money can buy happiness to a point. So obviously she is much more comfortable and content than maybe the people in the five of pentacles. She has clean clothes, no holes. She has shoes. She's not walking through the snow and having money can solve a lot of problems for people who are really struggling, but there's this threshold. And that changes from person to person based on where you live and what you need. But this threshold marks where you have accumulated enough and that money won't solve any more problems. So in that sense, she could just have a lot of stuff, but no longer finds happiness or excitement in in having things. Of course, she is beautiful in a beautiful place with her beautiful bird and her beautiful dress. And this, But this card is about achieving a certain level of comfort And also about wondering what comes next. What is the next joyful experience that will lift the person out of this contented boredom? Yeah, I really like that um, idea of the threshold of wealth. Like it, money absolutely can buy happiness. um, And because it allows you to do things and have experiences and buy the things you want and you need. And so there is that correlation between happiness and money to a point. And so I think that it's really important um, to, to recognize that, which kind of leads into my story of, um, you know, I've talked about my divorce. I've talked about that we were, I don't know if I've talked about actually, we were poor, we were a single income family and it re- all the responsibility of finances rested on my shoulders. And anytime there was an extra expense, 
was catastrophic. And it's not, you know, like you can't plan for those things when you're living paycheck to paycheck and every single dollar is being used to pay bills. And you can't do things when you need to go, when you need to pay for rent or a mortgage or your electricity. And so just recently I got a flat tire and the feeling of being able to pay the tow truck, being able to buy four new tires without having to call my dad and say, daddy, save me was such a relief and such a feeling of contentment and knowing like, I, I can do this. And so in that sense, I kind of relate to the woman not smiling because it wasn't a fun thing that I had to buy. There was, there was no smile on my face that I got a flat tire, but I had it. I had the money to do that. I had, um, the ability to take care of myself and take things that care of the things that I needed to. And I still had money left over to do other things. So um, I definitely can relate to her not smiling face, but also being content and happy at the same time. So what I was thinking about when we decided to choose this card for this week is um, the idea of inheritance, because like you said, it's unclear whether she has inherited this wealth or she has, you know, worked to earn it through her own efforts. And so I was just thinking about the fact that, you know, after Anna and Poppy, our grandparents passed away, there was an inheritance left over that was given to different family members. And something, most of what I chose was like a lot of their furniture and to have that and um, furnish our home because it just was the timing of, we were moving into our first house right when they were going through their our parents and our aunt and uncle um, were going through the on and Poppy's house. And so I just like took like all of their furniture. So I have their couch and their dining table and some other, you know, tables and surfaces and chests and things like that. The uh, dresser with like a mirror on top, just like all this kind of stuff. And so when you walk through our home now, in, we've added our own flavor to it, Dana and I, but I can see all of Anna and Poppy's things and remember and have those memories of what it was like when it was in their house that, you know, we grew up in that house and our mom and, and uncle grew up in that house even. So um, there's a lot of memories there. And that's kind of what I think about with the inheritance as well, especially with, or the idea of inheritance, especially with the idea of pentacles being like physical goods and things that you experience. So they're adding to this um physical experience that I'm having and the memories of our ancestors. So let's move on to our main topic for this week, which is about practicing service magic. Now we already know that magic is useful for practical purposes. That's what we've talked about pretty much exclusively on this podcast so far. Things like finding love, attracting money, feeling more confident or grounded or creative increasing your intuition and all sorts of things like this. So these are examples of magical purposes that have a smaller scope of influences. They are generally focused on your immediate bubble. So yourself and potentially your family and friends that you surround yourself with. But there's also something called service magic that I'm sure has been mentioned before on this 
on this podcast, but we're going to talk about it more today. And service magic is done for the greater good of everyone. So Erica, can you tell us more about what service magic is? Service magic has a wider scope of influence. It impacts people on a global scale. We can practice service magic for other people and for those with no voices. So animals, trees, ecosystems, soils, rocks, rivers, oceans. This is a type of magic that is about becoming aligned with the spirits of the place and the ancestors and humankind in general. So the rewards of practical magic are seen clearly and quickly. You attract a life partner, you get a raise, your abusive coworker gets relocated to another department. These rewards are tangible and visible and you see them happen on a relatively quickly quick scale. The rewards of service magic are not as clear or measurable because the targets are social structures like racism, homophobia, misogyny, materialism, militarism, and greed. Exactly. And there's a lot going on in our world. There are more problems to solve and causes to support than we could possibly list in the space of this podcast. And while it is possible to care about everything and be concerned about these things and want to solve all these problems, it is less possible to devote yourself to all these things. So it's a hard choice, but I strongly suggest that each person chooses only three causes to to devote your time, attention, and money to. And this advice was given to me in 2016 by Jennifer Hoffman, who has been sending out weekly activism checklists since Donald Trump was elected. So she also suggests choosing a cause that doesn't directly affect you. So something that's a little bit less self-focused. Yeah, I think that it's important um, if you're if you focus on something that is you is you centered, it becomes part of that practical magic piece again. It becomes self-focused. And um, I think about Phoebe in Friends when she was trying to find a a true selfless act to prove Joey wrong. And everything and anything that she tried or did ended up being making her happy, having, if not an extrinsic value for her, having an intrinsic value for her. And like, at the very end, she was like, I'm going to call PBS and I hate PBS and I'm going to make a donation anyway, because that'll help Joey get some recognition and some screen time. And then it happened and she goes, oh, that makes me so happy. And then she's like, no. (laughs) So it ended up being a self-fulfilling act for her because it made her happy. So when you think about these things, even though that act of service might make you happy and might have that intrinsic value, if it's not directly affecting you, it's going to have more impact and more um, power. Mm -hmm. Exactly. At least, at least one thing out of the three. Right. (laughs) (laughs) We'll share some ways to practice service magic. And before we do that, let's talk about the herb of the week. This episode is brought to you by nutmeg. So nutmeg is a difficult one for 
medicinal uses because it is poisonous. Uh, you do not want to consume a lot of it, but it does have some good qualities for aromatherapy. Why is it poisonous and how come we, is it just like in large doses it's poisonous? In large doses. So like yeah. the amount that you would mix into a pumpkin pie is obviously fine, but. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Um, it's, it's, what's that other one? Like peach pits have arsenic in it. It's crushing up that nut. So it'd be like crushing up a peach pit and consuming. Apple seeds have cyanide in them as well. There's all kinds of messy things in the things we eat. It's part of the myris. Tickasay family. Don't put that in the podcast. <laughs> say, it, say it again better. <laughs> Myristicaceae family. No. Myristicaceae. Myristicaceae. It's part of the Myristicaceae family. Leaving all of it which in. Which is a... <laughs> type of tropical evergreen tree. Interesting. I know that I use it as a bug deterrent uh, because it has such a strong smell. So I mix nutmeg with cinnamon and line the edges of my doors um, so that the buggies don't like to come in. Windowsills too work for that as well. It can help with digestion. So that's why it's used frequently in, for culinary purposes. It's a good inducer of appetite, and it also can help with chronic diarrhea. Long story short, you try to limit the amount that you are consuming and use it primarily in essential oils. And on that note, it, is, it will burn you if you don't dilute it. It is. Yes, it is a hot oil. Super hot. So it needs to be in some sort of carrier oil. Yes. So the magical uses of nutmeg are a bit more extensive. First off, it is it can be used to correspond with active energy, the moon or mercury, earth and fire elements, and the zodiac signs of Sagittarius and Virgo. It is primarily used for attracting money and prosperity, bringing luck and protection, and also for breaking hexes. So you could include it in money magic, um, some kind of money attraction spell. You can carry it with you, a nut, the nut actual, because it come, it's like a nut. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it, but you could carry the actual nut with you um, as a way to draw luck to yourself or for protection. Additionally, you could even add like a sigil or something to that nut to add to that power. And then if you use the powdered nutmeg, one thing you could do for a money spell is like add it to a green candle and burn that candle for attracting prosperity. Now, nutmeg can be used for travel spells. So it encourages adventurous spirit and spontaneity. That would be a good thing to use either to invite more opportunities for adventure or when you're on a trip to take it with you for protection. Nutmeg promotes justice, which ties into our topic for this episode where we're talking about being of service to others and bringing about justice. So it's a perfect 
type of herb to use for any spell you might do for service magic. Along the same lines of traveling, it can be used for physical traveling here on planet Earth and also for astral traveling. It can help to induce the meditative state that you need to travel on the astral plane. So one use for this is to burn it on a charcoal disc before engaging in astral travel. And also lucid dreaming is another thing which is similar to astral travel. Nutmeg, we've talked about the pumpkin pie type. It's that pumpkin spice type of um, herb. So it can be used in any of your rituals involved in Mabin or Samhain. So you can incorporate it into that or use it to decorate your altar at those sabbats or make food using nutmeg as a way to celebrate those holidays. So now let's return to our main topic, which is about practicing service magic. And we will share a few different magical methods for service magic here, as well as a couple of mundane methods as well. So the first thing is actually my favorite form of magic in general, but particularly with service magic is the use of sigils. Uh, Sigils are really simple to create. And I think that's part of why I like them so much. I also like that you use words and you create shapes out of them. I feel like it's a puzzle to make it look beautiful and um, to activate it and all that sort of stuff. Now there's a chapter in my book, Practical Magic for Beginners. And there's also training inside of Mumbles Academy if you do not know how to make sigils. Um, but they are pretty simple to make, to create them and to activate them. So using sigils in service magic is great. Can, can you give us some examples, Erica, of how you might use sigils? Yeah, you can add sigils to your protest signs, to your flyers, letters or postcards, and your petitions. Make them into amulets or talismans. You can use water to draw them in rocks or signs in the natural area, or you can print them on t-shirts and turn them into stickers. Another method for service magic is to use the tarot, which is a beautiful tool in general. It helps to better understand any sort of situation you find yourself in to help you understand a conflict or um, find solutions for a cause that you care about. So there's tons of spreads available online that you can use to help you explore your subconscious, to look for opportunities to heal and grow, and also for um, helping you understand those situations, like I mentioned. Now, additionally, each individual card has that archetypal energy associated with it, and we've been exploring that on this podcast. And you can harness these that archetypal energy for service magic. And there's a really great list of this in the book, Magic for the Resistance. So um, that's a great place to look for ideas there, or you can make your own list. You also might consider purchasing tarot decks that are diverse in terms of ability, race, ethnicity, gender identity, and sexuality. There are so many different decks out there in the world. And uh, I have a few that... I'm really proud of my favorite one is actually uh, they tailored the tarot to the different um, mythological stories and fairy tales. It's called Tarot of the Divine, and it's uh, created by Yoshitani. So she took each archetype of the card and matched it to a uh, fairy tale that had that same theme or archetype in it. And it's just a beautiful deck. 
you know, just consider supporting independent artists wherever you can. I know Maggie's got a thousand different decks solely to support the artist that created it. Yeah, it's a, really is about the art for me because I like to compare them and see what else I can get from the information. And even if I tend to use my writer Waite Smith deck most often, even though it is not very good in terms of representation, but I bring in that what I've learned from the other decks as I'm reading with the writer Waite Smith deck. So, well, and the, that deck is just so traditionally known and its meanings are so ingrained into what tarot is. So it's nice to have that foundation piece and then branch out with some of these other um, cultural, you know, diverse decks. I, in one of my other decks, um, they included three or four lovers cards. So they've got a man and a woman, a woman and a woman, a man and a man, and then kind of gender ambiguous of two people. And I like, I didn't even know that when I first got the, when I bought the deck and then I opened it up and there were these four lover cards and I was like, why do I have four lover cards? And then I looked at it and I was like, oh, that's really cool. So isn't that the deck I sent you? Is it? Oh, it is. It's the star spinner. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I did know that. And that's why I sent it. Wow. <laughs> Thanks, Maggie. <laughs> I'm glad it was a wonderful surprise for you. Yes. <laughs> um, so our next tip, our next idea for practicing service magic is when you think about using your different tools and materials. So uh, the main one I think that can be the most environment, have the biggest environmental impact is when it comes to crystals. And crystals are pretty and they're very popular right now. I have collected a lot over the years, but there is a huge environmental impact when it comes to mining these crystals. And it's important to keep that in mind. So I'm lucky because a lot of my collection was gifted to me by my ge geological grandfathers. Uh, but I also have purchased many and there was definitely a time where I wasn't necessarily paying attention to the origin. And so now that I'm more aware of it, I try to do better in making sure that either, you know, I don't collect any more crystals or I know exactly where it came from. Sure. Yeah. It, but anything, I think that's true for anything that is naturally given to us by the earth. Uh, it's the same with herbs. You know, it, you have to make sure that there, that it is being cultivated sustainably and that there are um, that you know where it's being grown and um, what the impacts are for taking something of the earth. So, right, because when we collect things from nature, we we need to do it sustainably. Like if everybody who went to a wild place took a rock or a flower or a pretty shell, like I live near the beach, there's shell combers all over the place. But if everybody was taking these things, then there wouldn't be any more rocks or flowers or shells. And then those places wouldn't be so beautiful because they would be very damaged. So related to that, our greatest tool for activism is in a capitalist society is through our money. It, so it's incredibly important to use your money in situation that aligns with our values. 
This goes for purchasing our tools that we use, our crystals, our herbs, any of that. Think about what is the source, who is profiting from your purchase, and do their business practices align with the, the vision that you have for the world? Right. Because there's some people who are, you know, local artists who are very intentional with what they're creating. And then there's some big box stores that are just trying to make a buck off of a witchcraft trend. So keeping in mind where you're purchasing things from and who's profiting off of it, like you said. I remember, you know, I'm going to call it Witchgate a couple of years ago when, uh, what was it, Target or something? Sephora. Sephora, that's right, made the the witch's box and it had white sage in it and it had, you know, and there was a huge uproar from the witching community about was the sage sustainably cultivated, you know, don't call it smudging. That's not our cultural practice that we can use that word. And um, they rescinded the boxes and apologized. So anyway, it was definitely a gate of sorts and um, good things and bad things came of it. So just, just be aware of how and where you're purchasing your tools from. The next thing we wanted to talk about, and I guess the last thing for magical practices is binding, hexing, and protection. So we've talked about these a little bit in the past, but binding is the first thing is uh, one of the best magical solutions, in my opinion, if you for activism and service magic in general. For example, you can bind a senator who's trying to remove water protection laws or a police officer who's committing violence against citizens or an abuser from hurting their spouse or children or a factory farm from operating with cruelty or a president from doing basically anything he wants to do or a pharmaceutical company from increasing prices on a life-saving drug. The way that I see it and the way that I've practiced it before is that it prevents further harm from happening to people, animals, and the natural world. It's not hurting that other person, the president, the company, the whoever. It's just taking away their opportunities and binding their ideas and ability to be able to further pursue these cruel acts. Exactly. And which brings us to hexing, which is a little bit more controversial because in some cases it does actively cause harm on people. So personally, I see magic as a tool that is better used for healing and creating positive change. But I don't think that that that's just my personal use of magic. And I don't think it's wrong for someone to want to hex somebody for something that they've done for wrongdoing. So while I would look for a practical service magic option, as well as mundane actions that we'll talk about in a minute, um, before I would resort to hexing, I still think that hexing is acceptable in certain situations, especially when the cost of not hexing somebody is going to cause further harm or loss of life for innocent people or animals or the planet. I always think about Jenny Weasley in the Harry Potter books. She was she was always touted as being the best hexer in, in Hogwarts. And it, her hexes were never, they were never cruel. They were always kind of funny because she had that Fred and George spirit in her. And, but it stopped that person in their tracks. It knocked them out. It made them stop. It, it was 
a semi-permanent, you know, like they had bat wings on their face at one point, if I remember correct, you know, like it, it's, it's something that is very deliberate and just, it ends that action versus the binding, which is kind of just a gentle nudge of maybe stop doing that. (laughs) Right. So yeah, it's like the difference between like punching somebody versus tying their hands. Yes. Yeah. The other way to use spell work is for your own safety. So protection and defense spells like shields and wards are very important parts of offensive magic. Um, So when you're doing the hexing and binding, you want to make sure that you are putting these shields and wards up to protect yourself from any backlash that may come. We had an episode earlier this year about protection magic, and there is a course for defensive magic in the Mumbleship if you want more information about protection measures. In relation to service magic, there are specific actions you can take. Like you could recite a prayer and a blessing to create a protective bubble around yourself. I always call upon my deities, spirit guides, angels, ancestors, whoever you want to call on to surround me with love and light. And you could um, seek the support of other people as well. So kind of a power in numbers type of um, action where you are all working towards the same cause and you're supporting each other. And that creates protection. I think about the, uh, the times when there would be the prayer circles or the, um, I, they weren't prayer circles, but it, they were like prayer circles of witches um, to bind Donald Trump um, frequently when something, something bad was coming, they would have their binding. Um, so binding circles where all of them were coming together and they were all protecting one another. Yeah, there's a Facebook group called Bind Trump or something like that. And they would do I, I participated in a couple of them, but it's like um, every new moon, I think it was when they did it, they would do something to bind for like that lunar cycle. And they're still working. I haven't been in that group very much lately, but they're still doing things for supporters as well as um, different people who are causing problems now. So expanding their binding activities. You could also cast a shield on yourself and the space around you, especially when you're attending like a protest or something like that. And there's a lot of people and there might be some clashing of emotions, creating a shield to protect yourself and the people who are there supporting the same cause as you. Yeah. And that's, that's something that's really simple to do very quickly in the moment as well. Uh, You know, the first sign of trouble, just like facey, turn around in a little circle, call on the Far four points of the compass and you you like you know put your energy into that and you're good to go so it's something really quick that you can do and then you could set up wards and guardians in your home or you can enlist the help of like plants around your property we've talked about that with some of the plants we've talked about on this podcast different plants that you can put in the different corners of your property to protect it and you can also do this at some sort of event that you're at as well. You can create a ward around a prayer circle or around a protest or anything like that. So bringing guardians with you, bringing plants of protection with you to these places. 
when I was in um, Maggie's home in the beginning of June, I noticed all of her, she has all these little figurines throughout her house um, collected from childhood and they're all along her windowsills and just placed little sporadically throughout the house. And they're, they're just her little protection friends and it's very sweet and very powerful. I think, I think they give, they give her safety in her home. Yeah. I like them. Cause I, they do make me think of a time when, you know, when you're a kid, you have, you don't have as many things to worry about because you have like people, parents usually protecting you and thinking about your safety. And so it, it feels like that's part of it is like, I have this safety of my childhood with those figurines. So <laughs> Yeah, and I have my teddy bear that I got as a kid. He sits up on a shelf in my room and, you know, I'm not, I I have brought him down on occasion when I've needed the extra comfort and he slept with me, but usually he's just sitting on the shelf in my room looking out over the entire room so he can see everything and he can take care of me. And I think it, it does bring in that safety of all of all the years that he did sleep with me every single night and all of the safe, like all of that energy and power that I put into him at that time, it's like a battery almost. And now he's mm-hmm. re- releasing that energy. Yeah. You've charged him with it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and then uh, again, you can wear like an amulet or a talisman uh, and carry a charm bag or crystals with you as a protective measure, maybe including nutmeg, like I mentioned before. I have a necklace that my boyfriend gave me. It's a Celtic knot, which is symbolic and, you know, a form of protection in its own way. And I wear it every day. I don't, I sleep with it. I don't take it off when I play with it, when I'm, I play with it when I'm nervous and it's almost like I'm seeking comfort from my boyfriend when I'm playing with it. So it, all of these tiny little things that you don't, you may have already been doing and didn't realize that you've set up your, your world for protection. Mm -hmm. And carrying those things into whatever service magic you're doing beyond like your day-to-day stuff that you need that protection for. And we should mention that practicing service magic isn't a substitute for taking mundane action towards these causes you care about. Just in case that wasn't clear, <laughs> when when it comes to being in service, we need to be working on all energy levels. So there's a magical level that we've talked about. But there's also a mundane level like engaging in elections, organizing and attending events, canvassing, protesting, letter writing, grant writing, making donations, and all other forms of mundane activism and community building. So as we've kind of said throughout the podcast as well, all of these mundane actions can be sprinkled with the magical methods we've already said. So you can write sigils on your letter writing campaign, or you can, when you're grant writing, you can set up a candle that is helping you to put the right energy into that grant application. Or set up a shield or ward around yourself as you walk into the electron booth. Yeah, exactly. Or protecting any person that you, or sending a blessing to any person that you come across when you're canvassing or protesting or anything like that. So just sharing magical energy as you go about your mundane activity. Now, before we go, we wanted to mention the importance of self-care. Maggie and I think that self-care is very important because we talk about it a lot. 
And we talk about it a lot because taking care of yourself increases your capacity to serve others. And one analogy that if you've been around me a lot, you've probably heard me say, I didn't come up with this analogy, but comparing yourself to a cup, you are, when you are full, you can share what you're full of with other people. And when you're empty, you don't have anything to give away because you are empty. So self-care is basically what you're doing to fill up your cup so that it can spill over and help others. And for many, many people, self-care is an afterthought. I'm one of them. I don't take care of myself. And this, it's a new skill that I am learning every day to make sure that I'm putting myself first before I take care of other people. It's even more of an afterthought when there's a sense of urgency to do something and take action. So when there's strife in the world, we think I have to do everything right now, but first make sure that you have something to give before you take that action. Right. Because being in service to others can be really challenging, especially when it's, you know, really emotional things that you're dealing with and the causes that you care about, they need you. So you have to be able to take care of yourself. You, you have to be able, you're needed to uplift the voices of people who are hurting or you're, and you're needed to be a voice for those that don't have a voice like animals and and the environment. And so that's what self-care is about. It's to help you not burn out on some of the challenging things that come up in these causes and to not become depressed and to not give up at all. Cause it, you know, you might, if you don't feel like you're doing enough, you might give up. Make sure, make time for serving others, but also balance it with the activities that bring you joy cultivate diverse interests so that your life is full and well-rounded. I was listening to a podcast. I think it was the 30 and divorced podcast that Maggie mentioned a couple of weeks ago, where she was talking about how she made a list of all the things that brought her joy, even small things. Um, And she made sure that she did at least one of those things on her list every single day. And then she also, when was start, she was starting to feel down or sad or overwhelmed, she would go back to that list and do something in that moment to bring her back into joy. Yeah. So having, having a list like that, I think is really helpful. I mentioned uh, Jennifer Hoffman, Hoffman earlier, and that's one of the things she talked about too, is like having a note card that has like, you know, your elected officials on it, having a note card that has your um, causes and then having a note card that has your self-care activities. So it's really easy to grab the things that are needed to take action, but also to remind you of how to take care of yourself too. Cause it's, it's hard to remember what brings you joy when you're down it's and, and so having a actual physical list, be it on your phone or on a note card or taped up to your refrigerator, having that physical item where it has these definitive things that will bring you joy is going to make it so much easier on your brain to be able to choose one of those things. There's a concept in my backgrounds in ecology, and there's a concept of the positive feedback loop and the negative feedback loop, which kind of is the, the naming of them is, um, counterintuitive because the positive feedback loop is where things keep building on each other 
And so it's a positive growth, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's a good thing. So it's like where you're um, feeling worse and worse and worse about things. So you keep feeling bad about like it keeps exponentially growing in ecology. It's like when some, when an ecosystem starts to decline, the circumstances of that decline keep getting worse. Like when there's a forest fire and then there's a flood and then there's a flash, like a, um, mudslide, like all of these ecological disasters happening. For all our Colorado witches, it's what happened in uh, Glenwood Springs in the canyon this summer. There was the fires last summer, which let, and then we had a lot of rain in the early summer this year. And so it was flooding and there was mudslides and they had to close down I-70. Which, which led to the ecosystems not being able to come back, which means that there's still standing dead, which means there's going to be more fires. And then there's going to be, it's going to continue and get worse and worse basically. Exactly. Um, and how that relates to this is the cycle of like apathy where it's like, well, I can't do anything. I'm not capable of it. I'm just going to not even do anything. I'm going to give up. Whereas you could turn that around and do what's called like the cycle of hope, which is where you keep caring for yourself which means that you can give more to others, which makes you feel more worthy to care for yourself, which means you can give to others, you know? So that is everything we have for service magic. Let's go to our next segment of the show, which is where we give you a moon phase assignment. And the moon phase for this week is the waxing crescent. So the waxing crescent comes right after the new moon, the new moon, we're setting our intentions for the full cycle. What are we hoping to attract into our life? And the waxing crescent is this exponential increase. Um, The energy is just like we've, we talk about those bell curves. It's the exponential growth, like before you get to the straight part, the full moon's at the top of the bell curve. So we're like, at the base of the bell right now, (laughs) but we're growing and amping up. So this is a great time to take good, like solid actions toward what your new moon intention is. And if you haven't set a new moon intention, then, you know, make sure that you do that as well. And then, um, so what actions can you take towards your intention and what is your intention, Erica? Well, so for this next week, uh, Miles, my boyfriend is in Bonaire, lucky dog, scuba diving he is going on his second dive of the day in a few minutes we were talking about how much I was going to miss him and he wanted to help me with that feeling of loneliness and missing him and so he gave me the task of every night I would text him one thing that I missed about him being there that I wished he had been able to experience with me. And one thing that I did by myself that brought me joy, that was fun. And so for this week, that's kind of my intention is to think about all of the little things that I can do by myself that bring me joy. And also think about the things that I want to share with him when he gets back. So for example, today I went on a walk by myself and I wish that he had been there. Um, but I got to listen to my audiobook and um do things for myself. So that's my waxing crescent task. Lovely. 
I, that makes me want to do that because uh, Dana works out of town so much and I'm home alone a lot, but obviously I miss him too. So just like making it, making it more intentional to think about those things. Like what are those things that I wish he was here to experience and what are those things that I'm really glad that I get to do by myself? <laughs> yeah. Well, feel, feel free to take the test. <laughs> <laughs> Last night I was, um, I just like had a dance party in our gym and it was really fun. And I don't know if I would have done that. Not that I would have felt weird about him being there, but I don't know if I would have like taken the time to just like dance, ex- like ecstatic dance, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. if he was home. So my intention goes really well with this topic because I am practicing more self-care. I have always felt like Um, things like, you know, doing your hair, taking care of your hair, doing your nails and that kind of stuff is frivolous. And so I just never really tried to do it. Um, but I recently got these new, like gel nail things that you, they're strips. So you don't have to paint them, which is always the hard part. You just like put them, they're like stickers kind of, and then they harden. So anyway, I, have tried those out on my toes and they look really pretty and it makes me feel like pretty. (laughs) So (laughs) doing, doing things that are like just taking time to do those things and not feel like I'm, um, not being productive or creating something for society or whatever, because I'm taking time out to take care of myself. So I, I get that. I just spent like $150 on face care stuff because I was starting to get KP on my cheeks, um, which is the little like uh, chicken skin bumps, which I've always had on like my shoulders and chest, but then it started to move to my cheeks. And I was like, I can't have this. So I went and bought a whole line of serums and toners and face wash and moisturizer and I'm going to start taking care of my skin so we want to hear from you so if you go to witchwanderer.com you'll find the latest game this week we have a question for you what are your three causes my three causes are black lives matter educating about feminism and what it is and I don't know I'm gonna I'm gonna just say environmentalism because it it's like the mo- like it encompasses everything. It's like the most important thing because if we don't care about the earth, then like we just die. So yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. <laughs> what about you, mine are special education and disability rights with like access to healthcare and therapy and stuff like that. Vaccines, just all across the board, always have been a proponent of vaccines, and the last one is ending the cycle of abuse and helping people recognize toxic relationships and helping them get out. So again, tell us what your causes are. We'd love to know what you're working toward. So over the next week, Erica and I will be thinking about how the 10 of pentacles is showing up in our life. And this card represents the good life, wealth, convention, security, and traditional values. So it's all about you know, sticking to the rules, wanting more continuity and uh, permanence and feelings, feeling of being settled and secure, enjoying your family, um, the emotional and spiritual prosperity and worldly success. You can 
find out more about this episode by going to mumblesandthings.com slash blog slash 035. Join us next week when we talk about perfectionism and criticism. Make sure you subscribe so that you are notified about each new episode. To help other witches find this show, please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram at Mumbles and Things and join us in the Mumbles Academy, which is up and running for the most part. I'm, I'm taking the My Witchcraft 101 courses right now. So chat with us about this episode and um, other things with other witchy folk. Bye-bye. Goodbye.